Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. I've said that so many times, I don't even need a script for it anymore. Uh, I've got our usual bunch today. We've got Adam, we've got Rhiannon, and I'm Caleb. And uh, we're just talking with Adam. Last night, friend of the show slash person who we think listens to the show slash person we know doesn't listen to the show, but we like to think he does, Jeff Loeb. Won himself a big Lifetime Achievement Award. Congratulations. Congrats, Jeff. I was so excited. I tuned in and watched it um, for that part. I tuned out for the next part. But congrats, Jeff. We know you We know you are listening. Adam, did you, guys ha- did you have to cover last night's Saturn Awards as part of the job? Uh, to an extent, yeah. I, I tuned out when I saw Iron Fist was the lone Marvel show not included in a sizzle reel. No, it didn't include any humans either. Right. Well, it's hardly a TV show. Um, no, I just thought it was funny. They didn't even show the logo. Man, they cycled through all the logos. I'm like, all right, well, okay. They didn't show Iron Fist in the actual sizzle reel. And then they start going through the logos and they totally skip the logo. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, man. It is what it is. You didn't even uh, stay around to watch the big Daredevil piece, huh? I didn't. I didn't want to keep watching and be disappointed. One, I had no idea how far they were into it. I didn't know when they were going to get to whatever Daredevil was nominated for. Um, So I didn't stay up for it, but I definitely watched it at like 6 o'clock this morning. In his accepting speech, Eric Olson thanked the open bar. Oh, did he? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, he thanked the open bar, and then he named the writers. Um, He came to the Save Daredevil meetup, um, which, plug, we're having another one. I thought uh, uh, Marvel News Desk and Save Daredevil at New York Comic Con, um, Saturday of the con, on a rooftop in Hell's Kitchen. So... But he did come to that, and he was very, very nice. I didn't know he was that tall. Mm. Like, he's an extraordinarily tall human being. Extraordinarily tall. Um, From San Diego, we took a picture of him with uh, one of our listeners, uh, That Nerd Ron. Um, And Ron is, like, standing on a chair next to Eric and still shorter than Eric. He's he's a very, very tall man. So, uh, yeah, that's the New York Comic-Con meetup. Uh, you'll see more details about that. Uh, but we'd love for all our listeners to come on out and say hello. Adam, let's let you have the first news of the week because uh, you are breaking this stuff over at comicbook.com. You talked about this a little last week, but we're pretty sure now that Hellstrom is about to film in Vancouver. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Sure is, man. That's the news. October, what was it, October 7th? October, yeah, it must be October 7th, the Monday after New York Comic Con. I said this in Slag, Marvel TV is trying to adopt a much more studios-like approach to their productions. It has never been as tough to find out when things are, are happening as it was for this, I guess. No shows ever filmed in Canada before, right? Marvel. Not, yeah, Marvel shows, right. Um... Not that I can think of. Inhumans was Hawaii, and Cloak and Dagger they've done in New Orleans. Most of the Netflix stuff, if not all of it, was in New York. Uh, and then Shield, I think, is in California. Maybe Runaways too. Yeah, Shield's in L.A. Yeah, Runaways is in L.A. So uh, at least Hellstrom. I'm not sure if Ghost Rider is uh, piggybacking off of this, and they're going to do kind of a defenders thing and and make Vancouver the thing but Vancouver's been um really attractive to most genre TV shows forever I guess I mean that it's filming at the same studios or, or lots that most of the CW shows are I think Stumptown maybe did up that way Stumptown's coming up on ABC so yeah that's coming out that wraps February it said February 28th, that'll wrap. Those of you that know more about TV production, i.e. both of you, um, what what time frame is that usually then? I mean, if a show's wrapping in February, when would we usually see it on TV? I mean, who knows these days? So, Hellstrom, is it Hulu? Is it week to week? Oh, I don't know, because Runaways was week to week. Now it's all at once. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's week to week, we could start seeing the show before February 28th. If it's all at once, probably a couple months after that to six months. I mean, we've had shows that they've wrapped. They filmed Iron Fist Season 3 and Daredevil Season 3. or Iron Fist 2 and Daredevil 3 at the same time. But they came, you know, so some of them took longer than others. Um, And then we have S.H.I.E.L.D. that sat in the can for 12 months before they put it out, so... I mean, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s done, and they're showing it next year. So who knows? Yeah. So strategically, what do you guys think would be a good... Like, what's a good window for this show to have its own kind of space in the Marvel world? I mean, earlier the better, because next year Disney Plus is going to be dominating, right? I mean, I would... Probably around Black Widow-ish... I mean, obviously not spinning off of Black Widow or anything, but um, uh, there's at least two weeks per episode they have. Um, if they even if they do like thirteen episodes, because um, that's the other thing. I don't think we know how many episodes are in this season. Well, given um, that we don't know who's even in it, I'd, right? Like, it's kind of weird that they're filming a show. We have no right. cast, anything. And that's the other thing. I mean, they're casting. They're casting uh, Damien and Satana, and they're casting their father, which most people, I shouldn't say most people, there is a, a growing speculation online that they're actually going to do the um, Marduk. Um did I say that all right? Marduk? Marduk? I don't know. I'm not well-versed in demons. Um, th- there's growing speculation that they're actually going to do the uh, demon-type setup. So we'll uh, we'll see. Knowing this, he'll probably uh, come to Earth or something and make get his powers ripped away. Yeah, I don't, that's another part of the thing, man. They're really trying to... Uh, I mean, they're well... Ca- they've been casting for a few weeks now, so they probably very well already have... Um, they sort, certainly have a short list or something, I would guess. But we'll get so we'll get casting info very, very soon. If they can squeeze it out by, you know, like you guys said, April or May next year, it's going to start become you know, it's coming thick and heavy, as you said, after Disney Plus really cranks up. I mean, once Captain America and the Winter Soldier shows up, we're looking at, you know, every two or three months a new Marvel show. And if they are all week to week, I mean, we might hardly get a break. Captain America and the Winter Soldier may be finished just within a week or two of when they start, you know, WandaVision, and that'll be finished just about the time they start Loki, and that'll be finished about the time that they start Hawkeye. I mean, so if you want to get any real estate, I think earlier is better for them. So Definitely before uh, Shield 7, because then presumably we'd also have... Cloak and Dagger 3 coming out. Um, but that's still up in the air. Speaking of production schedule, did you have WandaVision on your uh, list? I don't all? have... The, no, I don't. What particular part did you want to talk about? Um, the fact that they're giving one month per episode. What? Holy Shoot. crap. Yeah, it's like a five-month production. Oof. Like the whole so production? Under one that's, month per that's episode. That's not just primary filming? Well, filming, yeah, filming schedule. Principal photography, photography one month per episode? Reportedly five months. I don't think they even... That's why it's starting so soon. I don't think they even do that for, like, Outlander, which, you know, period pieces and high budget. That's... I mean, it's it's a movie schedule, which I guess when you compare it to the movie, I mean, they're... A month yeah, per know, hour? They're doing, apparently... <laughs> Adam just reports the news. He doesn't just make the decisions. <laughs> I mean, apparently that's... Look on Search Big Red. It starts in November and then it ends like five months later. Maybe they're taking a big Christmas break. They could be. And then Mardi it, Gras or, yeah. you know. I mean, TV-wise, that's a huge schedule. But movie-wise, I mean, technically, if they're doing movie quality, they're filming three movies in the span that they film one movie in, I guess. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. But it, does Fountain Good and the Winter Soldier have the same schedule, or do we know yet? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, I mean, that would mean, you know, they're filming these TV shows at movie quality, but these TV shows are not going to make them a billion dollars. 
I mean, Marvel movies use that kind of schedule. Indie movies do not. Like, and a TV show is not going to make them a billion dollars. They've already got my money for the next three years. Yeah, I think it's really hard to gauge this stuff. I think at least early on, we're going to get more than our money's worth on Disney Plus because they want to build the service. I think the real question on Disney Plus is what stuff going to look like five years down the road. Because apparently for these first couple of years, they're going to spend out the nose and take giant losses to try to build a huge subscriber base. And then I assume they'll raise prices and throttle back production. But, I mean, that's that's a cynical way to look at it, but we'll see. No, but, I mean, even then, what, what's the cutoff price for... What's the cutoff price for you guys? Because even, even if they bumped up to net, what, Netflix is fourteen ninety nine a month? I'd still be there. Oh, no doubt. Not even question. <laughs> Not, I would, yeah, I would pay triple, quadruple that without even hesitation. It's just, there's so much stuff on there. It's, I, I, I wonder who decided to come in at it, $6.99 or $150 for three years. Now, well, the other thing I've thought about that is you do have to be a D23 member. And so I'm sure there's some accountant somewhere who has decided what a D23 member um recruitment costs should be you know like acquire like customer acquisition cost of getting someone signed up for d23 and i'm sure for them you know two bucks is well worth it to have somebody then in that email chain and that list and all that kind of stuff okay so that takes the 147 that everybody paid and makes it an even 150 <laughs> like the 147 and change like I mean, it's just, it was a free membership to get that deal. I mean, I'll let you know if they start hitting me up for D23 stuff. Yeah, it it just reminds me of um, some musicians, particularly like smaller indie musicians or just people who aren't as famous, have found that giving away an album for your email address and zip code is actually a good value proposition for them because... Hmm. That data, for them, it being live shows, which is different than movies, but the, the data that shows them where to perform live is worth more than 10 bucks for their CD. In that case, I mean, if the band's small enough, who's spending 10 bucks for their CD anyways? Yeah, I'm thinking more like people that are on a, a major label but aren't on the radio. Uh, gotcha. All right, uh, we started talking about Disney Plus content. Uh, Disney Plus has now hit the Netherlands, apparently. Uh, they've chose that as like a yeah. test market. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing at least what's on Disney Plus in the Netherlands with the obvious caveat that we're not sure how that will apply or not apply to the States. Generally, based on what you guys have seen so far, are you excited about the things that you're seeing available on the Disney Plus service? I mean, it's exactly what they said would be there. I mean, from what I've seen, I don't know, Adam, how much have you seen of it? Yeah, pretty much what you said. It's it's exactly uh, what they've seen. That does remind me, I need to see if they're given press early access for uh, research reasons. Um, I mean, my friend in the Netherlands, he signed up. He said they gave him two free months. So that extra two months that they're getting is free. Um he sent me a screenshot and it has, you know, like Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic options. And then just like all the, the, the big names that you would expect to see, like, you know, the titles right there. Yeah. But so disclaimer, we should probably exercise caution. Like if you go out and look and see what's on Disney plus, because I also saw in one of the screenshots runaways is, which won't be the case here. Right. Right. Oh, so I'm not sure which all of I saw in humans. I'm sure, really? yeah, they ha, uh, they have zero problem throwing in humans up there. It's probably going to be the most the biggest reach it's ever gotten. Um, oh, my branding heart was so excited when they were scrolling through and all the the Star Wars uh, buttons or the Star Wars pictures were all like the same look and feel instead of Netflix where they're like stills and stuff. Um, it's what they're doing with all their uh, home media stuff. Have you noticed that now they're doing all the animated releases, like they're doing the um, MCU stuff with the slipcovers and whatnot? 
for some Marvel fans, there's been a lot of excitement about the amount of animated content on here. Yeah. I mean, almost all the significant Marvel cartoons ever, it looks like, are going to be available, which was not something I feel like we knew for sure before this week. Right. Taking us way too long to get to this news, but uh, word on the street is that Haley Steinfeld is has been offered the role of Kate Bishop in um, the Hawkeye Disney Plus show. Rhiannon, I know this is a character you love. Do you know Haley, and do you like this casting? I don't know her, but I looked into her like when this was announced, and I think she looks like an awesome pick. She looks like Kate Bishop. So, um, I don't remember what it was she's done. Bumblebee. So, Bumblebee! Bumblebee! Also, she's the uh, ghost spider, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, in, Gwen Stacy. Um, into the Spider-Verse. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, um, that's where I had seen her in some of the Bumblebee stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, she seems like a great pick. She's a young, spunky woman um, that can do the role. I mean, she'll still have to act with Jeremy Renner, so I'm still, yay, excited about this. But, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for this casting. If it goes, I saw it reported as, like, offered. I saw it as she was... Is it, it's not confirmed? Because it was Deadline or something that broke this. Uh, they're, yeah, they're they're looking at her, I guess. I mean, I think Variety and THR both picked it up, too, from their sources. So I would assume it's going to happen. Okay. I guess I don't know the last time they've gotten something wrong. I think Michael Rooker um, and the Suicide Squad, maybe. Even though that turned out accurate. I was about to say. She was, we should, can we talk about that? I want to talk about that. Is that not? Yeah, that cast is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So for our listeners that like don't follow me on Twitter, like all five of you, I have had a childhood obsession with this random Argentinian Spanish actor that's in nothing, nothing. And he's in Suicide Squad, Juan Diego Boto. I am so excited. I think the cool thing is there's 24 names on that poster. And the concept of the Suicide Squad should be that you have some people that just are just cannon fodder, like the government's shooting all these random bad guys at situations, not caring if some of them die. And I, I just think it's safe to say there's going to be half a dozen of these characters that are just going to randomly get blown up, you know, in the middle of the movie. Right. And James Gunn is already leaning on, I think his, what was the, the headline? Don't get attached. The, Don't get attached, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who, who's it gonna? I mean, is is it gonna be Sean Gunn that gets killed for it? I mean, his James Gunn's girlfriend's in this. Um, it's it's nuts, and that's not even getting into like the alien Peter Capaldi. I mean, yes. good lord, where's it stop? Yeah, the, and then the bottom line is like Viola Davis, Idris Elba, well, Rooker, right. and somebody I forget who Margot was Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the bottom of the poster is the the biggest right. ones yet. So I'm in. I'm totally going to see it. Nathan Fillion's in it. Um, it is certainly the most excited I've ever been for a DC movie, so. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like it's an in-game roster, damn near. I mean, Pete Davidson's in it. Come on. I wouldn't mind seeing him get killed um, in a movie. <laughs> oh, glad you added in a movie. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I wish no actual ill will on people, but if it can be done with CGI, then I'm all for it. <laughs> That's right. I'm hoping all the A-listers are just like blown up and it ends up being a Juan Diego movie. And everybody's like, man, Rhiannon's childhood crush is so awesome. Jumping back to Steinfeld for just a second. uh, I went and saw Bumblebee with my daughter last year and I really liked that movie, which I thought was weird because I hate Transformer movies. And when I saw it, she's really incredibly good. Like, when we talk about movie stars, we usually talk about, oh, someone who's been successful or has made a lot of money. But then every once in a while you see someone who's just instantaneously a movie star because they just have, like, charisma just, like, oozing out of them. And she's that good. Like, she was... I found myself just totally taken by her personality and the way she handled herself. And she was just, like, magnetic to watch. And so to think that that's coming to Hawkeye, like we talked about excitement levels a few weeks ago, I am three or four times more excited about a Hawkeye show after this than I was before. 
Because she's just enjoyable to watch. You know, I would watch her doing all kinds of different stupid movies. So doing a Marvel thing is just really exciting. Watch, um, if you get a second, watch Edge of 17. It's kind of her, uh, I don't want to say that it's not her first movie by any means, but it's it's amazing. Her, her uh, Woody Harrelson, um, it's a pretty good movie. Also... Both she and Jeremy Renner are, um, they both have record deals, right? So if we don't get like a duo or a theme song or something, it's a huge, huge missed opportunity. Yeah, them just playing guitars around a trash can fire on the top of their apartment building or whatever. So some Nickelback-like song. (laughs) Yes! Uh, Now, there is some thought that them casting her this early means she might show up in something else before it i mean i think that's kind of how we felt about several things lately that they seem to be casting early on this stuff which may suggest that they're going to do a lot of crossovers i think we got to have the discussion sometime right we probably already have i think we have um but for someone that's never gotten into the mcu before like now is going to be probably the best time to get caught up before all the disney plus stuff launches right Oh, yeah, the next nine months is the time to do it, yeah. Yeah, because once that launches, and I mean, especially like WandaVision, and then you get into the Multiverse of Madness, it's uh, it's going to be a while to get caught up. But will you need to get caught up, or is this a point to jump in? That's also a good point. This is going to be the perfect starting point as well. That being said, back to our episode a few weeks ago where we talked about like somebody that had never seen the MCU, I tested my theory and a friend of mine watched Ragnarok as her first movie and absolutely loved it. I almost got her to go right into um, Infinity War afterwards because she needed to see what happened right after that last scene of Ragnarok. And I was like, well, here it goes. And then like all the other characters started popping out and she's like, yeah, I don't care about them, whatever. <laughs> now, we talked a little bit about uh, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop showing up um in earlier stuff there's also been a lot of rumors this week that young avengers is being developed uh for disney plus i'm not sure if these are rumors that are based in real fact or based in people trying to get clicks but i think it's fair to say that all the moves that they're making seems to suggest that a young avengers is a priority i mean at this point we have good building blocks to kind of create that team do you guys think that that is one of the places we're heading here with phase four i think so i mean i don't know enough about young avengers to be like these are the specific building blocks but we're getting a solid cast of younger characters that could come together in some way sure yeah i mean young avengers movie was first reported young avengers this young avengers that sure um Probably. I mean, I, I think even on uh, Charles Murphy's podcast, he said that other than um, the even the, the latest shows they announced, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk, they still have an additional 12 shows in development, right? Like 12 things we haven't heard of? That's what, that's what they said. That's what they're talking about. An additional in development. So, I mean, right. that's, that's, I mean... When's development? Does development start right when Kevin Feige says, you know what, Moon Knight would be cool. So I don't know. Sure, I, I would guess Young Avengers is. I mean, everything's there. We're getting Kate Bishop, um, Cassie Lang's on the table still. Uh, who else? Well, pro- I would guess the big surprises we're going to get Wiccan and um, WandaVision. Um, or for that matter, we can get a Viv Vision as well. Right, or both of them. You know, um, and then you've got um, you've got Miss Marvel, who I think they you know they'll they'll bring in some of the they'll mix I think champions and Young Avengers into one team. So just Kate plus the opportunities that you talked about with WandaVision plus Miss Marvel plus Stature, and then I mean it would not be hard at all for them to bring some kind of Patriot character in through well you know Winter Soldier and Falcon. I mean, maybe we're just trying to create dots, connection, connections that aren't there. But they could do it really easily, I think, is the big point. There, I mean, there's no way um, we don't get Sam Alexander at some point. Um, 
so they're going to do it. It's just a matter of time. Um, it's a like it's a it's a whole new demographic, man. It's kind of like a CW type uh, demo, I would guess. I don't know, maybe not, because I watch the CW stuff. It's not the animated power pack, you know, G group, I guess. Maybe that has the chance to be kind of sort of edgy without going full edgy. Um, they are trying to consciously get younger, I think, is the thing that we can say with, you know, pretty definitely. When you look at the way they're casting these shows and the kinds of characters they're bringing in, Marvel is being smart about, okay, we pretty much have millennials on the hook now with the MCU. Now what do we do to get the generation behind them? And I just think that that's the way everything's moving. It's that, or they're looking at the Anthony Mackies and Sebastian Stans, and they're like, man, we're going to have to recast these guys in a decade. <laughs> yeah. Well, so let's just let's just get 20-year-olds that can play for the next 20 years. That's what I was going to, I mean, I was like, with Caleb's comment, like, they hooked the millennials with 40-something-year-olds. You know, like, your RDJs, your Anthony Mackies, um, Paul Rudd, you know, like, they were some really older actors going into this. But they needed some of those established and A-list names to sort of get the MCU off the ground. So now with the next generation, yeah, going with young, young, um, it will be interesting to see how long this goes, how far it goes. All right. Just a couple more newsy things. Uh, did you guys see the deleted Avengers scene that they showed last night? At no. The, uh... Or the uh, little kind of, uh, gee, I wonder why it was deleted, huh? Yeah, so for Rhiannon and for our listeners, they showed one of the f- cuts they did of Samuel L. Jackson in Iron Man in that famous scene where, you know, Nick Fury shows up at his house at the end of the credits to talk to him about the Avenger initiative. And he uses a line, man, I, I don't have enough time for you because we're dealing with radioactive bug bites and mutants and all this other stuff. And, like, he very explicitly referred to Spider-Man and X-Men. And they cut that version, I assume, because they had the rights to any of those characters. But it's amazing to me they filmed it in the first place. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, this was serious because I know they did lots of spoofs at the Saturns. No, this was real footage from Iron Man 1. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It kind of suggested to me that the MCU did not think of itself as an exclusive universe as it's become. Like, I don't know. When they shot that, it almost feels like they were going to kind of be like, sure, X-Men and Spider-Man are kind of in this universe too, even though we don't make those movies. Well, I mean, Feige said first, you know, I mean, he said before that going into Iron Man, I guess they really had no intention about building the MCU. Um, which eventually came afterwards, I would guess. Um, I mean, I would chalk it up just to some uh, sort of Easter egg, I guess, Um, until thankfully someone in legal caught it, so the lawsuit didn't come around that would have ended the MCU as we know it. Um, But yeah, it's peculiar. I'm wondering why they uh, release that now rather than something. Because I know, well, they have rights to mutants now, but they certainly don't have rights to... Well, I suppose you could get around that. That's not really explicitly Spider-Man. But also, Spider-Man's been in their movies. There's no way the right. Sony deal... I will be really annoyed if the breakup of the Sony deal, they can't even give us a line in, like, you know down the road in a movie to mention oh where's Peter and so they're like oh I don't know where he went you know like if they're not allowed to say Peter Parker it's gonna bug me well and that brings up a whole new discussion like I mean Peter Parker's outed in this world now so will the MCU like that seems like that'll have ramifications even if it's just like the Hannibal Burris line in Spider-Man Homecoming about Cap He's like, hey, we're going to watch this video. Yeah. Uh, he's like a war criminal or something now. But anyways, you know, like that joke was great because it acknowledged what's going on with Cap in the universe. Yeah. I hope there's something like that about Spider-Man. Oh, that'll suck if it doesn't. Uh, somebody asked James Gunn this week about uh, how many more Guardians movies he's planning to make. And he said, right now, one more. Uh, 
Is there anything else he's going to say? That seems silly to me. <laughs> I mean, he, he, yeah. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say this is him being done by any stretch of the imagination. He's getting ready to film a huge blockbuster that's probably going to end up being Warner Brothers' highest-grossing superhero film, at least in the DCEU or whatever they're calling it. Um, he's probably the busiest guy in the genre at the moment, you know? Um, well, besides Kevin Feige, of course, according to Sony, at least. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is his last one. You know, that could have been part of his reinstatement that he he could do this one movie and then he'd be done. I don't know. Well, but also he didn't say yes to Volume Three until yeah. Volume Two had come out and he had some time to reflect and think about it and say, "Yeah, I still want to do." So, like. If the guy didn't commit to three until two was totally finished, why in the world would I think this early in the process of three he'd be committing to another one? Like, it's just not the way he's operated. He kind of reevaluates these things after. He did mention he didn't want to do three without Michael Rooker. Um, and now that Rooker's in the Suicide Squad, volume three very well could be his first ever feature without Michael Rooker as a star. Unless they could easily get around that and do some like flashback scenes or something. Uh, last bit of news, not really news. We're starting just to get a lot more info about all the Disney Plus shows. We got um, working titles for Loki and Moon Knight. Uh, I think I'm a little surprised that Moon Knight would have a working title. It seems kind of early. We talked about the Hawkeye casting seeming early. Um it kind of has felt like all of these productions have all gone into drive all at the same time. <laughs> They're doing like five or six things at once. Um, I don't know what there is to discuss there. It's just, it's been interesting to me that we've had this constant drip of news on this stuff. I hope that means that it's a good thing that they're working together and that they're going to be interconnected and that there's some sort of collaboration between these shows and that it doesn't fall into the pit. Like, remember when the Netflix shows all went into like overdrive and they were like, we were talking about earlier, they were filming two at a time and all of that. The result of that was the showrunners were so deep in their own worlds they weren't able to take time to work on the interconnectedness and they didn't get a chance to, you know, see what the others were up to. Hold on. If I don't go get the buzzer, then my Amazon packages don't arrive. So anyways, I hope that doesn't mean that the... I hope it means that they're all in overdrive because they're working together and not that they're all in a rush passing each other in the hallway, not having time for that sort of work. It does make me nervous about how capable Feige really is to balance all this. Like there's been a lot of talk, particularly the Spider-Man stuff and Sony about what Feige's doing, how much time he has, what he can and can't handle. The reality is he has, you know, thus far the MCU and Feige have had at most three movies going at once. He is going to very soon be in situations where he has three movies and three TV shows all going at the exact same time, I think. Right, but he has he has it all planned out, man. I mean, the biggest difference between Marvel and TV, you have, or I shouldn't say Marvel and TV, studios and TV studios, um, you know, it's, it's Kevin, at least to me, it seems Feige is kind of the point guy that decides everything obviously he doesn't write the stories but he has a pretty good idea of where it's going whereas the tv side um is more creator driven um and and that's why we ended up you know that's why we end up getting so many i don't want to say disjarring so many unconnected tv shows right is because um their showrunner run I guess, and I'm sure studios is having having showrunners on their Disney Plus shows, but it's still, uh, I don't know, is it is it an organization or a lack of organization or or what? I, I think Feige's just a, a much better planner, um, at least what he's shown us, because um, now it's that's what the MCU is, right? It's this interconnected universe, so going forward it's not like feige's not pre-planning 
how this is going to tie into that and how that's going to tie into this and so on and so forth. Well, and I think it's worth mentioning that the production of these shows on Disney Plus does seem to be different. I mean, we've already talked this on this show about how long apparently these shows are doing or are taking to, to film. And then they have one director for all of the episodes. I mean, it would make a TV show feel chaotic in comparison, right? Like when agents of shield did 22 episodes over a four or five month period and you had 15 or 16 different directors coming in and out and they were there for six or seven days and then somebody else came in and the writer's room is going and the showrunner's trying to keep it all together. Here it seems like you got one set of writer, you know, you, you have, it seems like these are being written by, you know, like movies, like with one to three people writing the whole show. You got one person in charge to direct it all. They've got more time to do it. There'll be more time for them to work with the crews. It just feels like a very different thing. It's, it seems less unwieldy than what they were doing with, like, say, Netflix. But I also, yeah, I mean, you cannot, it is not an apples to apples comparison here. Um, you're not having to sell this to a network. You're not cooperating with a network. You have Disney working with Disney working with Disney. You have, you don't have the TV schedule. You don't have advertisers like you do in S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what, I mean, yeah, Feige is managing his work very well because he doesn't have all of the jobs that Jeff Loeb has. I mean, Feige doesn't listen to our podcast. Loeb does. Um, And I'm not just saying all those nice things because Loeb listens to our podcast. No. Um, I definitely, there are other masters and there are freedoms being given to this. Because it is a Marvel Productions uh, show on Disney. They don't have to worry. I mean, they worry if they are teeing off the Chinese. You know, there's there's definitely politics involved in what they do. But it's not... They don't have to make sure they keep Coca-Cola happy. And, you know, whoever might be buying advertising space. They don't have to make sure that they fit with Netflix's model or whatever direction they're wanting to go. Um, I mean, because I had once heard that the whole direction of season one of Iron Fist was Netflix did not want the mysticism and they didn't want to see Conlon. You know, that a lot of that came from Netflix. And then a lot of yeah. the- Netflix. And a lot of the direction <laughs> from season two. So, you know, like there's a lot of things that the TV shows have had to deal with that these will not have to deal with. So... Yes, but I, I mean, I don't want, I just don't want all of that to be attributed to Feige being a better manager of properties than Loeb. Loeb had a much different battle. Uh, no, I, I, I'm totally with you. And I think it's co- going to be unfair. People will, because it's on a streaming service, people will watch WandaVision and they'll be like, well, geez, why couldn't the Netflix shows do this? And as you've very well pointed out, there's just so many differences in what's going on. But as somebody that's a project manager at heart, like, oh my god, this whole thing makes me twitchy. Like, there's so many balls up in the air. And it's going to be a ton of content. I mean, it's we are like kind of in the calm before the storm right now. And I feel like, I wonder if the people at Marvel Studios just gave themselves like a month vacation back in April to just like enjoy Endgame and like, you know, like... Um, just absorb the goodwill before they got ready to go into an even crazier hectic season because it's about to go off in a pretty insane way. I mean, just this week, you was a little bit of production news on like four or five different Disney Plus things, so it's amazing. All right, last week we sent out the call for ideas for a main conversation topic. So we got a good one from Michael T. Ford. I think we'll talk about some today. I know Matt Turner Toad sent us some good ones as well, so we'll jump on those. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the long-term perspective of the MCU and where it should ultimately go or how long it should go. Uh, I want to kind of come into this with the question of, we've been talking about this. I mean, this is like the 132nd episode of our show or something like that. Uh, 
Rhiannon, do you find yourself as excited about Marvel stuff as before, or over time has it waned? I mean, we've talked about, I mean, I've mentioned this a lot in the past few weeks. Like, no, I mean, like, my interest is not there. Like, I'm interested because I'm invested. Like, you know, we talk about it every week. You guys keep me interested. But if we hadn't had this podcast, I would not really be paying much attention to Marvel right now. Um, or I have no idea how much I'd be paying attention to it right now. Um, it's definitely, I mean, they're definitely doing enough to keep me some, keep me, uh, in, but my interest is waning. Um, and I think that's, that's why I always bring up the, everything isn't for everybody. They had something that really hit my spot and what I like out of television, and they don't currently have that. And I don't see stuff in this current lineup that is bringing me that. But, and I've been to put this in when we were talking about the Saturn Awards, Jeff Loeb last night, and I'm sorry, I know we have our own topics that we're going through, but last night Jeff Loeb said about Daredevil, we need to find a network for the show. So, I mean, there's still hope that there'll be stuff that that hits that perfect spot for me. That's the timing on that line was impeccable. Right? Got to watch it for delivery, Caleb. Just watch it. He, it was like he was almost going to start off on what like the show meant to him. And he's like, "This show dot 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 needs a network." And it was just great. So kudos, Jeff. Yeah. Sorry, quick sidebar. No, that's fine. Yeah. Now, Rhiannon, on the film side, did Endgame kind of bring you enough closure that maybe you're not as interested in new characters? And new? I know you're a familiarity person. Like, you like characters that you're, yeah. you know well. Does it hurt to have these movies with characters you don't know? I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's enough of the old characters carrying over. Um, but it keeps me from being super psyched right now. I mean, it keeps me from just being like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. Even, I mean, we're getting another Thor movie from Taika. I, I, there's enough there that I'm excited about. But, no, I don't love a whole slate of here's our new characters. But I trust, I trust that I will enjoy them when they come out. This is kind of drawing us to kind of the bigger question that Michael asked of, does there come a point, you think, where Marvel is better off to just reboot this thing? Or to... Like, is there, does there come a day where they kind of need to bring Iron Man back? And if so, how far out is that day down the road? Because they always say, well, we've got a library of 5,000 characters. And it's like, yeah, but the, we just have to be honest. There's not 5,000 movie franchise carrying characters. Like, uh, I just, I don't think. You should, uh, so, I don't think... Th- at least with Iron Man, there's not, there's no reason you need to bring him back now. Um, but then that uh, that also brings up the question, you know, we haven't, for as many people involved in the MCU, we haven't gotten, you know, in a tragedy or like an untimely death or something like that, right? In real life or, or something not... Um, in real yeah. life. Like an yeah, actor. Yeah, in real life. Yeah. yeah, like an actor. Like a Paul um, Walker in Fa- Fast yes, and Furious. Or, right. or whatever, a Heath Ledger or anything. or a, um, Who was the Sin City late? Brittany Murphy, is that it? She died like carbon monoxide or something like that, I think. Or maybe drugs, I don't know. Um, you know, something like that, you know, where it would be required. You know, what happens if an actor is in the, in the middle of their um, story arc or something? Because these things take years. Um, cough, cough, think... Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh... at the same time, I mean, who would have thought the Guardians of the Galaxy could have supported a franchise, right? I mean, at the time they were developing that, they've had... I mean, there was that 90s run, but it had nothing to do with the characters in the movies. Um, then, you know, you had Abnett and Lanning, but that was, I think, 20 issues. Um, you know, you have Shang-Chi coming up. You have, I mean, obviously, Miss Marvel's a pretty big character, but it's not like she has the source material to pull from. Uh, there's Moon Knight, who's, I mean, absolutely beloved, but still, he's not... Um, 
He's not Wolverine. He's not Spider-Man. They do have a library. I mean, there's so much stuff. They haven't even got started on the X-Men yet. They haven't even got started on the Fantastic Four. Um, they have enough X-Men characters to at least do 20 years of movies without rebooting a single person in the MCU yet, right? Um, there's the Fantastic Four, you know. There's Doom, there's Annihilus, there's Galactus, there's Silver Surfer, there's Blaster, there's um, Mole Man. You know, how many in the Fantastic Four alone? Um so they have they have all these people. I don't think we'll ever get a soft reboot. You know, they'll, if someone passes away, they'll find a way to to write them out. Um, so I guess that's my initial thought. But then at the same time, you know, they've shown us as of late that they're not afraid to recast someone within the span of ten months. You know. Um, so I don't know. I guess I, I would guess we'll at least in our lifetimes, you know, we'll, we'll never see a MCU reboot. Um, that's what we we're talking about, right? It's the reboot. I got lost in my own thoughts. Um, I guess I just want to like the fan in me wants to agree with you, like, oh yeah, it'll just keep going and going and going. But I just I wonder if we can expect to continue to see guardians kind of successes like the idea that like this is a that the marvel machine is so good that it doesn't matter which ip they're handed they'll turn it into gold i mean eventually in phase 10 or 11 you know when it's when it's down to like blade six and uh you know the hepzibah movie or something you know like i did just eventually you would think your characters are going to run out. Yeah, so eventually, so judging by, I mean, Phase 3 took 10 years, so we're talking Phase 11 would be 30 years down the line. Stilt Man. Yeah, I could see a reboot then. Yeah, we're doing Stilt Man, finally give our guy a, we should have Rob Morgan on the pod. What's he doing? He's got, I mean, he was getting Oscar talk this week. I, well, yeah, what was he was just in a movie, wasn't he? What what's he? Is he in Twenty One Bridges, or what movie is he in? I don't know. He was at I think Toronto. I saw a red carpet photo of him in the most fantastic like jumper suit thing. It was like a bright red like print. It was very interesting. And I just saw some tweets about even though he's in the movie for about five minutes, like he should be nominated for a supporting actor role. So. Yay, Rob! So yeah, in that case, if forty years have passed, I would guess it's okay to uh, do a reboot. But even then, I mean, they're going to have new opportunities like holographic TVs or virtual reality, or um, they're just going to have like stage plays where you show up on set and they act out the whole movie in front of you. I don't know, man. They thought in twenty twenty we'd have flying cars. Yeah, we did. Um, kind of jump back over the past few years. I'm very hopeful for the next 40, at least technology-wise. Let me ask this. If we got to a point where the MCU lost popularity and just sort of became more of a middling franchise, and they did some good movies and some bad movies, would you rather see them kind of end it while the quality was still high, or do you would you want them to just keep the same universe going as long as possible? You know, like, do you would you rather them end it too early but leave you wanting more, or do you want to see it go completely down in flames at some point? With the risk of um, totally, totally pissing off those Iron Man stands I ranted about the other week, um, this Phase Four slate was at least, at least for me, um, what was the perfect announcement? Because man, I was exhausted of Iron Man. I was exhausted of Captain America. I was exhausted of. The Hulk. I mean, we, we keep seeing these people. Um, Ten years was a good run, right? So, um, at least from my vantage point, you know, these unknowns, the Shang-Chi. I mean, ultimately, we'll see what they can do with Eternals, right? If they can make a billion-dollar movie out of Eternals, it's probably safe to say they can make any movie from any property. Um, I mean, even Darkhawks had more stories than the Eternals have. Um, yeah, I guess. I'm not sure if I answered your question. 
I don't even remember what your question was, man. It's too early for this crap. I mean, I could see, like, something happens to Feige, and it just sort of peters into poor quality and just sort of fades away. I would rather it fade away or go away for a little while and then have excitement from a clean slate than it just be like, ooh, there's another Marvel movie. Maybe this one will be good. Um, If they get to a point where things start to falter, I would like them to, like, all right, let's make one big last push to make one good, like, capper to the whole thing to finish out strong. What I never want to see is the MCU become like the Amazing Spider-Man franchise where the last movie is a cliffhanger that sets up four other movies that never get made and the whole thing gets canned and it's just obvious that they ran out of public interest. I just think that would be very depressing. And that's a far, far, far away away, I think. Um, It's just interesting to think about. I mean... What's so difficult about this? Can you think of any other film franchise that has more than twenty three movies? Like, None does. Bond would be the closest one. As about say, well, Bond's about to do their twenty fifth, so All MCU right. is not quite past Bond. But still, Bond has had some real ups and downs and taken like eight year hiatuses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Marvel has already defied movie physics. You know, like movie. Uh, gravity should eventually cause this thing to come down. And so I think it's easy for fans to be like, oh no, this will work forever with any kind of character. And there's no evidence to see it falling down. I just, I don't know. I think realistically at some point it'll have to come down, I would think. Right, I mean, what, Star Wars came back after 30 years, 20 years, 25? When was Return of the Jedi released? Uh, it wasn't as long as you think. Return of the Jedi was like 83, 84, Oh, so it was I like think. 17 years? Yeah, uh, no, it was like 18? 15 years. Was it 15? When did Phantom, Phantom, oh, jeez. I think Phantom Menace was a 99 movie, maybe? 2000? Something like that? What I want to start to see is some resiliency with the Marvel Studios. I want Feige to have, I mean, I'm sure he does, and we're just not seeing it. I want... You know, I think for a while we thought James Gunn was this, that he was like, that he had a right-hand person that knew his ways, that knew his decision-making process, and that if something happened to him, the quality would still be there. The vision would still be there. The Whatever it takes behind the scenes in the decision-making to make this stuff so good will continue. Because, I mean, if we had news tomorrow that Feige was in a car crash... And was no longer with us. I think we would all feel like it was the end of this wonderful Marvel universe. They would keep making the movies. They would, you know, but our faith in it would. It's the way some of us feel about Spider-Man movies. Is like Kevin Feige, for all intents and purposes, died to Spider-Man. And it's like, oh boy, yeah. now all the movies are done. So I would, I mean, I think there was a little bit... You know, for a while we saw James Gunn in that role. I think it would just be nice to kind of know that there's that resiliency there, that he has some people. And I'm hoping with all of these shows that he really does behind the scenes have people that know his ways and know his logic so that that consistency is there. Right. We've started to see more and more of this, right? So, I mean, if there's Feige, there's Desposito, there's Alonzo. I mean, even in game, they... Uh... Um, really, I don't want to promote it. Promote it might be the wrong word. They, uh, Trin Tran was very involved with press. I know Captain Marvel had Jonathan Schwartz. Um, there's Winterbomb. Um, and that's the thing. They're building. How many producers does one franchise need, right? I mean, he brought them all out on stage at, at San Diego and they had 20. They had a dozen on stage, at least, um, of the people. I mean, essentially, these people were all on Iron Man, right? And they've since grown into executive producers leading their own movies. It's um, this well-oiled machine. Maybe it's a Hydra thing if you cut off one head, two will rise. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's... So I like going back to the football analogy of, like, Belichick... Which, 
I mean, I'm not doing that just to, like, make Caleb happy, but, like, Belichick is a, a coach. Like, like, the Feige of football coaches. He He's created this team that nobody expects to lose. Belichick has trained many other coaches. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the New Orleans Saints that has Sean Payton. That is a Belichick mentee. He grew up with the system, and he's done good. Like, he's won a Super Bowl. He's he's done some amazing things. He's got I suspended know. for a while. Yeah, he spent some time. <laughs> he spent some time. Um. He, too, has been unjustly persecuted <laughs> by the NFL. My boy Sean spent his season doing CrossFit, and you'd think he came back. I don't know. Dude came back fit. He's no Belichick, you know? And I think that's, like, sort of, like, yeah, we have all of these mentees that grew up with it. But I want to see the shining stars. I want to see, maybe some of them will be, you know, maybe with the TV shows, it'll, it will, we'll start to see who, who the Sean Paytons are and who, I don't know. Do we have a new Belichick? I can't take this scenario that far. Yeah, I, the only challenge I see to it is they do have to be people younger than Feige. Like, I agree that there's all these people that were around and been part of things since Iron Man, but most of them are about his age. And so, like, if he stays at this another 10 or 20 years, even if he someday leaves and they take over, they're not going to expand the longevity that much. So I think it'll be interesting to see if at some point down the road, Feige can find somebody, and the same is true for even Gunn, like be interesting to see him bring in a 25-year-old that kind of gets put into positions quickly the way Feige was back in the 90s with the X-Men and Spider-Man and all that stuff. Hey, uh, Marvel, if you want someone in their mid-20s to produce a movie, you know, um, hit me up. <laughs> totally on board. Give me Darkhawk oh. and I'll make you a billion-dollar movie out of Darkhawk. Let's go. All right, let's hit the mailbag real quick before we wrap up. Uh, over on the website, um, Dave uh, had an interesting theory about where a lot of these rumors for Disney Plus, excuse me, are coming. Uh, he's wondering if there is chatter about characters that will appear in a announced Disney Plus show that is being misconstrued as appearing as their own Disney Plus show. So, um, you know, like. Could Doctor Doom appear in the Power Pack animated show? And is that why there's Doctor Doom talk over at Disney Plus? Similarly, are they really launching Inhumans, or is there going to be an Inhuman or two in Miss Marvel? And that's why they're you know talking about launches. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Love Waffle says it's easy to come up with rumors for Disney Plus miniseries because we don't really know what to expect from them it's harder to dismiss rumors out of hand because we don't have like a lot of data about what those shows are going to look like um and the fact that they are creating new characters like she-hulk and miss marvel it just reopens the floodgates for ridiculous rumors because clearly they're they're being a little broader about what they're doing um he also mentions that what we talked about atlanta and pinewood studios apparently it's a solid 40 minutes from downtown atlanta to uh, but Pinewood, doesn't it take so you like forty minutes to get not... everywhere in Atlanta? Right, I was gonna say. Well, he says forty minutes oh, in gosh. good traffic, so I'm guessing it's an hour and a half. I was gonna say it takes you forty <laughs> minutes to drive half a mile. It drove me. My kid's school is less than half a mile from our house. It took me twenty five minutes to drive them to school the other day. I was driving them because I had somewhere to go afterwards. You know, I had to go straight from dropping them off to a meeting. Twenty five minutes to go half a mile. Twenty five minutes to do half a mile takes me thirty seconds. It, oh, the construction is out of control. Have you so a angry. Well, that's, I said I had a meeting right after, so I had to go straight from dropping them off to the meeting. That's why I was in the car. Do they normally walk? Uh, you, I mean, we walk them. They're still little enough that we don't send them out into city streets by themselves yet. But good parenting. Look at that. Uh, I haven't checked. There was a couple things over on Twitter. I think. Some people are following us that hadn't followed us before. Thank you. Oh, there was somebody that shared with us the uh, Marvel theme park idea on the Canadian side oh, of Niagara yeah. Falls in the 2000s. Yeah, at Ashcrafty. Yeah. 
so that was cool. So like last week, all that talk, we didn't even know there was a Marvel theme park thing out there. And they looked at maybe doing one at Vegas. If you don't know, I think I mentioned this on the show before. It's very bizarre. Marvel cannot do any sort of theme park for their characters within the United States east of the Mississippi, but they can do it west of the Mississippi because that's the deal they signed with Universal Studios all those years ago for the Islands of Adventure theme park. So you're saying they can build Marvel Land at Adventureland in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. And they are doing stuff at Disneyland. Apparently there's some cracks in that because they're doing a Guardians ride at Epcot. But, um, you know, it was one of those, another example of those 90s deals that Disney hates. Because if they had not signed that contract, uh, Disney World could have an entire Marvel, you know, park, but. Alas, no. I did in the, I forget, in the late 90s, I went to, there was a Marvel-themed restaurant that was in Los Angeles. It was kind of terrible. Like, it was really goofy. I think you can still find the menu if you, like, Google it. But it was, uh, it was like a crappy Hard Rock. And Hard Rock's not all that great to start with. All right, I think that does it for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. Uh, thanks for uh, you can leave us reviews on iTunes that helps people see the show uh, you can also go over to our YouTube youtube.com slash Marvel News Desk um, and uh, the website if you want to send us messages that we'll read on the show in the mailbag you can do that via Twitter twitter.com slash Marvel News Desk or Marvel News posts and uh, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll uh, continue to send us topics that was really helpful uh, and we're going to continue to you know, kind of make it through this this barren period of content until it really uh, takes off coming here soon. Have a good week, guys.